Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Thank you, Jesus. How are we doing, church? How are we doing, church? I am excited about this morning. Do you have an excitement in your spirit? I hope you have an excitement in your spirit because there is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy in the presence of the Lord. And we are in His house and in His presence today. And there is a beautiful, a beautiful thing that happens in the corporate presence of the Lord that can't always happen in our own personal times at home. And that's why the gathering is so important. God moves in power when there is a unity in the spirit, when there is a unity of togetherness, together, together. Hey, who was here for that message? Together, together. Now, something wonderful has happened. When I arrived here this morning at 9.30, my my watch stopped. It's prophetic. So according to me, we are still in praise and prayer and worship and, and we'll just see what the Lord is going to do, hey? I'm seeing most of you smiling and a few concerned faces, but that is okay. <laughs> praise God. Isn't he a good God? Yes. Amen. I want you to preach with me this morning. Preach with me this morning. Church is not a spectator sport. We're not a spectator <laughs> We are the body of Christ. We are all participators. So preach with me this morning. I'm going to preach and exhort on the power of the Son today. The power of the Son of God. The power of the Son. Jesus' power is limitless. So anything I say today for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, I might do a Steve. Who knows? Woo! Woo! What time is lunch, people? But we could talk for eternity just about the power of Jesus. So anything I say today is just a fraction of a sliver. But you know what? When we elevate Jesus, when we elevate our thinking about Jesus, we elevate our... Yes, so good. So we're going to elevate our thinking today about the power of Jesus. And you know what? Some of this you might go, yeah, it's basic, it's foundational. But I tell you what, if we forget the power in the foundations, we have forgotten the power of the very essence of our salvation and who God is. So power, the word power, when we see it in the New Testament, it's the word dunamis. It means force and specifically miraculous force. We're not just talking about power like, oh, yeah, someone's strong. It is a miraculous force that is literally supernatural. There is nothing natural about it. When we talk about power today, we've got to remember order. It's always spiritual before natural. So everything we talk about today when we talk about the power of the Son, the power of Jesus, is supernatural. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a natural power. It is all spiritual, 100% supernatural power. Jesus came in power. He came in power. The Father gave him power over everything. Jesus was sent out in power after he went into the wilderness. Jesus gave out power. Power came out from Jesus when when people came to Jesus. And Jesus is worthy to receive all power, 
all glory and honor. Now, how can that be? We don't even have any power in and of ourselves, even our very life and breath. But what that's saying is everything that we do have, he is worthy to receive it back because it all comes from him. It comes from him. So I'm going to talk about a few. No, I'm not going to talk. I'm going to exhort. I'm going to exhort on a few key facets of the power of the Son. Firstly, the power of Jesus for signs, wonders, and miracles. If you've got your Bible, and we're going to throw scriptures quickly, so they're going to be on the screen. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. This is Peter speaking just as the day of Pentecost has happened. He says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, signs, and wonders which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Do you know that the miracles of Jesus were not just to do people good? It was actually God the Father's accreditation of God the Son as the Messiah as according to prophecies. We look at the miracles. Often when we talk about the power of God, miracles is one of the first things we think of. But it was more than just to heal people, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. All those things were wonderful. It was more than just impressing people with walking on water or turning water into wine or calming the storm. That is not the key. The key was Jesus was the son of God. He came as the son of man, but his power was that he was the son of God. And God the Father accredited him to us through the power of signs and wonders that no one had seen on the earth before. Not only that no one had seen, but it actually says at the end of, book, at the end of the book of John, if it were to be written down what Jesus would do, not only would it not only fill the whole world with, not only would it be too much to write in every book in the whole world, but it would be too much to fit in the whole world. Does, can you even comprehend that? How many books would it take to fill the whole earth? And where does that end? Does it end where the atmosphere is? You see, the signs, wonders and miracles that God accredited Jesus to us, to mankind, to say, yes, this is my son, you can't even comprehend them. You cannot comprehend the power of God. I wonder what miracles and signs there were that we, can't, we don't even know about. Just try and think about that. We're, we're blown away by some of the stuff in there but it's a fraction. You see, there's always more to the power of God. The power of the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17 to 18. And this is Paul speaking to the Corinthians. He says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wes- wisdom. Wisdom? Clearly, I don't have any wisdom or eloquence today. Stop laughing, Adrian. <laughs> Not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the... You've got to get this. This is important. In amidst all the laughing. You see, when anyone stands up here... When we preach to our neighbours, when we spread the message of the gospel, it's not about our eloquence. It is not about our eloquence. It's not about whether we have the right words. It's not about whether we make a stumble of the tongue. It is about the power of the cross. And if we remove the cross from the gospel, we've removed the whole power. There is no gospel without the cross. The power of the cross is essential to faith. We can't have it without it. 
So we don't preach with wisdom or eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Of its power. Not just the power of the Son of God, the power of the cross. Now you say that was a piece of wood. But here's the thing. Jesus Christ nailed to that cross every debt and legal charge against us. It says it in Scripture. So the power of that cross was because of what Jesus did. For the message of the cross is foolishness. It is foolishness to those who don't believe, to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And of course, the power of the cross is the power of the blood. The power of the cross is the power of the blood. Without the cross, there is no forgiveness of sins. You see, we know this. You might be sitting here going, all right, well, tell me something I don't know. Do you really know? No. Do you know the power? Do you grasp? Do you fully understand and comprehend the power of what happened on that cross? The horrificness of the cross, but do we actually grasp the fullness of the power? Can we? Is there more? There's more. Show us more, Lord, the power of the Son and the power of the cross. Next one. These are in no particular order, by the way, and, and because it is limitless, okay? And so this is just what God downloaded to me. And I know it's important because these notes disappeared for about 36 hours this week in the midst of horrendous spiritual attacks. So I know the enemy doesn't want me to say it. Why? Because when we lift up the name of Jesus, he is glorified, the devil is terrified, and we are edified. So come on, come on. I know that what is in here, it may not be revelatory in terms of wow, but if we lean in, we will grasp more of the power of the Son of God and not just the Son of Man as he walked the earth, the risen Son. The risen Son, highly exalted, so glorified and beautiful that if we were to see him face to face right now, we would fall at our feet terrified. Fall on our face terrified. That is the power. The power of the resurrection. Because when there was the power of the cross, the devil did a, did a big hurrah. He's like, yes, I thought I'd won. <laughs> Sorry. Boo-hoo for you. The power of the resurrection. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. Now, this is Paul talking. Now, be very careful if you want to quote this verse. Can you say with me, the power of the resurrection? The power of the cross. The power of Jesus. So now you're getting it. Preach with me. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Here's this knowing again. It's, there's a deeper knowing. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Oh, okay, the next bit's a bit scary. Are you ready? Creative words in our tongue. I want to know the power of the resurrection and participate in his sufferings. Ooh, what does it mean to know the power of the resurrection? It means to grasp the understanding that we participate in his sufferings. Maybe not the same way Paul did, but we participate in his sufferings. To participate in his resurrection, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Now here's where some of you are going to go, okay, I'm not comprehending this yet. Is anyone sort of going, some of that's going a little bit, woo? 
You see, this is spiritual revelation. Spiritual revelation that when we participate, when we come to faith in Jesus through salvation and begin to walk in him, we begin to participate as we understand the power of the cross, the power of who the Son of God is, the power of the resurrection. And we begin to understand that our sufferings are not just about us personally, that when we truly follow Christ, we begin to participate in the sufferings of Christ as we die to self. And as we die to self, the more we die to self, the more we gain a revelation of the power of the resurrection, that it's not about this life, it's about eternal life with him. And we have that already. That's the greatest revelation. This is eternal life, to know the Father and to know Jesus Christ, it says in John 17. See, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Everyone who believes in him will live, not die. Not in, the, not in the flesh. Everyone will die in the flesh unless Jesus comes back before it's your time to die. Everyone will die. Death and taxes, they're the only sure things. But the same power, it says, we know this scripture, say it with me, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells or lives in, in us, in me, in me, in you, in each of us. The same power. Are you grasping this? Come on, there is actually more in this. There is more. There's more power to grasp of the Son of God. The next one is, how are we going, church? Are we good? Are your spirits being edified? The next one is the power of salvation. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. This is Paul again. If you look at Paul in all his letters, look at how much he writes about the cross Crucifixion, resurrection, life, salvation, and the gospel of that. Why? Because there's power. There's power in it. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Are we not ashamed of the gospel, church? There is, Steve said once, there is no undercover Christians. There should be no such thing as an undercover follower of Christ. If you are, then I challenge you, are you actually following Christ? Because if we understand the power of salvation, the power of the gospel, we will not be ashamed of the gospel because we understand it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First the Jew, then the Gentiles. Everyone who believes. Now, here's something interesting. I I just want to share this with you because this is something the Lord showed me. Those first four things that I ran you through. Starting off with the power of signs, wonders and miracles, the power of the cross, the power of resurrection, the power of salvation. On the day of Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit came in power, and most of you know the story, people heard what was going on and they thought they were drunk. Hey, I've talked about drunk twice. <laughs> I talked about it last night too. I didn't even think of that twig till I said it. Anyway, that's not the key. I've lost the plot now. Stop it, Adrian. I will blame Adrian. I did tell you I was going to pick on you. I'm sorry. So, on the day of Pentecost, focus people, focus Sally, Sally focus. The day of Pentecost, after that people think they're drunk, Peter comes out. The same Peter who when someone said, do you? are you with this Jesus? Just before he's about to be crucified, said, nah, 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 I don't know what you're talking about three times. That same Peter steps out full of the Holy Spirit 
And this is what he does. That first scripture I read in Acts, he starts off there. He says, God accredited Jesus to you through signs, wonders and miracles. Then he says, Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. Then he says, but he also resurrected him because it says his body will not see decay. And then he says, when they're convicted, he says, this is the power of salvation. Repent, be baptized, and you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. What happened next? 3,000 added to the church. You want to see church growth? Understand the power of signs and miracles, the power not, not in and of themselves, but to accredit God to mankind. The power of the cross, power of the resurrection, power of salvation. You start preaching that out your mouth, watch what happens. Watch what happens. Do you know why the devil's terrified about me preaching this message today? Not because I'm particularly smart, not because I'm particularly going to talk with wisdom or eloquence, but because I'm talking the message of the gospel. And it is so essential to everything we do and there's so much power in it that the devil is terrified of us talking about it. And so we have to come back to the foundations of, does this come out my lips on a personal level, on a corporate level, and in my community? Not just, oh yeah, I believe in God, but there is power in Jesus. Do I understand it? Do I say it? Do I say it to myself? Do I prophesy it to myself? When I'm struggling, do I say, no, I am, I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. He has been resurrected And the same power that raised him to life is in me. Do I say that to myself? Because there's power in it. There's power just in confessing the name of Jesus. And that's my next point. Power in the name of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 to 11. Therefore God exalted him, talking about Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can we say together, there is power in the name of Jesus. Say it again. Say it again. Do you believe it, church? Do you believe it? Do you know it? Do you really, really know it in your knowing, in your inner being? Power in the name of Jesus. Jesus taught the disciples to pray to the Father, but they pray in the name of Jesus. He taught them to pray to the Father, but we pray in the name of Jesus. How do we know he taught them that? Why? Because you look what happened in the next chapter of Acts. Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. See a man there. He's like, can you give me some money because I'm lame and I can't walk? Peter says, "Mm, haven't got any silver or gold, but what I do have, I have a revelation of the power in the name of Jesus. And so he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, just in case they didn't know who he was talking about, Rise up and walk. He took him by the hand, got up and walked. Why? Because they had a revelation of the power in the name of Jesus. A revelation that it's not just a name, that there is inherent power in the name of Jesus. You know, and after that happened, people were looking at them and Peter actually said, why are you staring at us as if our power or our godliness, get this, 
how good we are, has made this miracle happen. And then he says, it is by faith in the name of Jesus that this man was made strong. By faith in the name of Jesus. It is by our revelation and belief in the power of the name that is the miracle working power. It's not by our own godliness. There is a difference between the leaning in to know him and what we can do. We have nothing in and of ourselves. It's not about striving, but it is about positioning ourselves. It's about positioning ourselves to understand and receive the power of the Son of God. How are we doing, church? Awesome. The next one is the power of governance. The power of governance, which is kingdom authority. The power of governance. Isaiah, when he prophesied about Jesus coming, which he did many times about the coming Messiah, said the government will be on his shoulders. And we hear Jesus and John the Baptist preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom is here. And kingdom is the word basilia, which means the rule or reign in a realm. It's the authority to rule over in a realm. And so Jesus was saying the kingdom, being his power, has come here to earth. And then, of course, if you know your scripture, he has delegated kingdom authority to us. But we'll talk about that later. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. A few scriptures. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Because Christ is Lord of all. He's Lord of all. He is supreme authority, King of kings, Lord of lords. We say this, but do we get it? Do we truly understand it? It says, and he is the head of the body, the church, not just River Edge Church, the church, the church globally, the church. There is one church, many members, many congregations, but there is one church. One Lord of all, one church. He is the beginning and he is the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. In everything, not just in the church, your life. The power of the Son is not just in Saviour, in the cross, the resurrection and salvation, but the power of the Son is in Lordship. Lordship. It says in Colossians 2 verse 10, In Christ you have been brought to fullness, And that fullness only comes when we have a fullness of revelation and a fullness of surrender to his lordship because he is the head over every power and authority. In Colossians 2.15, this ties this back into the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. Love that. Triumphing over them on the cross. Don't you love that? You know, he made a spectacle of them. It's like, ugh. Seriously, guys, you think, you, you think you've done the dirty deed right now. I am literally through my suffering making a public spectacle of every power and authority. Do you know what we do when we declare the name of Jesus with power and authority? We make a public spectacle of the enemy. Have you thought about that? Do you know that when we declare the cross with an understanding of power, when we declare the name of Jesus, not as a curse, that is not the correct way, 
And that does not carry any power at all because it does not understand the authority. But when we declare the cross, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the salvation, the power of the Son, when we declare that with an understanding and the power of his name and his governance, we are making a public spectacle of the enemy. Do you realize that? This is part of participating in his sufferings, but then we participate in making a public spectacle of the devil. Isn't that awesome? So good. So good. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I want to talk about Christ as cornerstone. Because governance is important in our personal lives, but also in the church. Here's a scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 6 and verse 9. As you come to him, the living stone... Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. But you... You, church, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare with your mouths the praises of him, the Son of God, who called you out of darkness into light. Isn't God good? Can we just say the name of Jesus for a moment? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord showed me a prophetic picture about Jesus as cornerstone a little while ago, and I want to share it with you. Isaiah spoke about the cornerstone, and the reason he used this analogy is when we're building, a cornerstone is the foundational stone, historically, for the location and the orientation of that building. The cornerstone was the first stone laid, and every other stone was laid in direct relation to that stone. No other stone could be laid before it and that stone was laid level and true. And so when Isaiah talks about Jesus being the cornerstone, it's because Jesus Christ defines everything that is straight and true. He is the definition of truth and grace and he orients us in a particular direction. But this is what the Lord showed me, particularly in relation to the church and church movements. You guys are part of a church movement, the ACC. There are many church movements around the world. And when we talk about movement, we talk about the measurement of some kind of direction or speed or angle and trajectory. And when we do that from the natural perspective, every measurement we make, we make from a fixed point on earth. If anyone knows their physics, you'll know this. It's basic physics. So we take a fixed point on earth and we say, if I'm going to measure from here as my fixed point to over where Adrian's sitting. (laughs) This is not picking on you. This is the starting position for measurement. We measure from a fixed point to another point or we measure how long it takes to get there or we measure the angle and trajectory. We do it from earth to another position either on earth or even in the atmosphere and the sky when we do it towards the moon or other things. So here's the thing. Everything in the spiritual is upside down. We don't measure from Christ as the fixed point of cornerstone. We measure 
towards Christ as cornerstone. You see, church movement is not about the measurement of how big your church grows, what your department is doing, the angle it's taking, what kind of theme or flavor it has. Now, all those are fine things, but it is based on this. Where is our church? Is it aligned with Jesus' cornerstone? And are we moving? Is our movement towards Jesus? Not somewhere away from Jesus, but is it constantly aligned to Jesus? Is it oriented to Jesus? Is it based on the power of Jesus? That is the only measurement. The only measurement. That doesn't mean we don't record things. They recorded that 3,000 were added to the church. But come back with me again. Why were the 3,000 added? Because they were focused on the power of Jesus and their orientation was totally towards Jesus. That is the only orientation they had. Their movement was, I stay following Jesus and my movement is towards. And if I need to realign, it's in orientation to the fixed point of the cornerstone. Spiritual measurements, not natural measurements. And that is so important when we think about governance and kingdom authority. And this is the other thing the Lord said to me in this prophetic picture. Because that scripture says that we are all like living stones being built together into a spiritual house. This ties in with the scripture in Proverbs which says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And the Lord said to me, and this is a word for the church, not just River Edge Church. This is for the church. The Lord said to me this, there is a phrase that has crept into the church which is actually of the spirit of this age. And the phrase is, I feel like a square peg in a round hole. And I know some of you in here have said that and I've even said that in the past. And here's what the Lord showed me. There are no round holes in the church and the body of Christ because round holes speak of individualism and disconnection because a round hole cannot be connected to another stone it is separated secondly there are no pegs in the body of Christ because a peg is something that sticks to something else and stays motionless there are no round pegs in square holes no other way around that's, that's correct too. There are no square pegs. In, see, I told you today wouldn't be wisdom and eloquence, but praise God for his power. There are no square pegs in round holes in the body of Christ. If you don't feel like you fit in, then I'll challenge you enough to say you haven't actually received a fullness of revelation of what it means to be part of the body, every member fitly joined together. You see, as living stones, there's no comparison with the stone next to you. It's an understanding that when we all build and join together in the one direction towards Christ as cornerstone, the more solid we understand our foundation is, the more power we rely on of his and the less of us, the more our orientation and direction is there, the more the Lord is going to work in his church and the more the Lord is going to build his church, which is scriptural, not us build the church. And so this is what we have to come back to, the church being based on the governance of the power of the Son, not on our governance and not on our own personal lordship. Amen? Amen. 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 How are we going, church? Is anyone receiving from this today? Whew, it's good. I need a drink. You say the name of Jesus while I drink. Amen. The power of the sun.
In a minute, I'm going to talk about how we receive the power of the Son. But before I do that, or rather what Scripture says we receive from the power of the Son. I have another prophetic picture to share with you, which the Lord gave me for you guys um, actually a couple of months ago. And so I've had it written down. And the Lord gave me this title, The Power of the Sun, and he gave me a correlation and a picture which applies to the natural power of the sun. Um, And it's not a play on words because he actually showed me quite visually what it looks like. And so I'm going to describe the picture. And I really want you to lean into this as a personal application. Don't apply it to the person next to you. Lean in and listen. And so the Lord showed me a picture of the power of the sun. And I know without being anything to do with geology or physics that the power of the sun is incredible. I know that the earth is positioned in such a way that if it was a little bit one way or the other, we'd either fry us, you know, be fried to death or frozen to death, you know, even within the extremes of temperature. So there is an incredible amount of power in the physical sun, which is nowhere near the amount of power in the sun of God. But it does give us a picture of understanding of the power of the sun. And the Lord showed me different types of solar panels in the church in how we receive the sun. Now, everyone knows what a solar panel is, right? Stick a solar panel on your roof and suddenly you get to pay less electricity bills. Woohoo! But this is what the Lord showed me. He showed me a number of different types of solar panels and how they can relate to us personally in our position of receiving from the Son of God. So even when I talk about the power of the Son, I want you to relate this to the Son of God. So the first type of solar panel there are is the most basic, and that is a fixed solar panel. It just sticks in one position on the roof. It'll be on an angle, but it's in one position, and they're often directed or oriented a particular way. They never put them on the south because in the south the sun is lower so it never gets as much. Depending on how your house is oriented, it might be to the north, perhaps to the west or perhaps you might have some in the east to get the sun in the morning. But those fixed solar panels only receive maximum power at a certain time each day. They are limited because they are stationary. They don't ever move. They can't move. And so their definition of receiving power is very much limited by their position. And sometimes we as believers can be like that. We have a fixed position that means we only receive the power of the sun once a week on a Sunday and perhaps for five minutes each morning when we read our version devotional. And then we wonder why we don't feel like we are walking in his power. It's because we are limited in receiving Then there are solar panels that have trackers attached to them. Now, this is a bit next level, so I need you to lean in and listen here. The first kind of solar tracker, the very basic one, is a manual solar tracker. It actually requires someone else to take the solar panel and shift the direction. They only move one direction, but if you can imagine this, we're east over here and then we're switching this way or the other way around. They require someone else to move them. So they move, but they don't move on their own. Sometimes believers in church respond to the power of the sun, but they don't respond on their own. They require someone else to give them a shift because their positioning has a lack of revelation of the power of the Son of God. And so that position requires 
a spouse, a parent, a friend, a life group leader, a pastor, someone else to give the message twice in order for them to reorient their position more towards the power of the sun. There is another type of tracker on solar panels and it's called a passive solar tracker. Now, this one's a bit challenging. Passive solar trackers... Sorry, I just saw you looking up there. I was like, oh, is Jesse putting up weird and wonderful <laughs> notes behind me? Thanks, Jesse, for all you do. Passive solar track trackers contain a liquid in them. That liquid has a low boiling point. Lean in with me here. They have a low boiling point, And when that liquid evaporates the evaporation causes the panel to tilt more towards the sun because they become imbalanced. So I wonder if any of us have times where as believers we're pretty passive and the only times we lean more towards God is when we start to feel imbalanced in our lives. Emotionally, mentally, physically, because of a crisis. This is what we call a passive tracker of the Son of God. Yep, we'll go to church, but the only times we're really leaning in is when we have an imbalance in our lives or when we actually feel and experience the imbalance because let me tell you, the imbalance is there. We just haven't got to the evaporation point where we're so low emotionally, physically, mentally or spiritually that we start tilting towards the sun. And then the last type of solar tracker... And this is where I want to encourage us as a church. This is hopefully where we all are. And sometimes, look, do we have days where we might be a bit more manual or passive or whatever? Yeah. But what is our life characterized by? I hope it's characterized by you being an active solar tracker. Active solar trackers track the sun throughout the course of the day. They are constantly aware of the sun's position. And there's actually two types of active solar trackers. A single axis tracks the sun from east to west. Which way is east here? Track the sun from east to west every day. Track the sun east to west every day. Constantly oriented to the sun. But there's another layer. There's something called a dual axis solar tracker that doesn't only track from east to west. Help me out which way is... No <laughs> Thank you. I've all turned around, north to south as well, because we all know that the sun is higher in the summer and lower in the winter. And so it has a dual axle on it, which means not only is it tracking the sun every day, but it is aware of the seasons of God, even in the midst of his eternal purposes. I want to be a dual axis tracker of the Son of God. I want to be someone who is so aware of the power of the Son every day that I am aligning to the cornerstone all day, every day, every moment of the day. But I also want to be aware in the midst of God's unchanging eternal purposes, what is God doing right now in this season? Am I aligned to it and am I tilting towards that and understanding the power of the revelation in that? Amen. Amen. Do you know that there is a cost to add solar tracking to solar panels? There's a cost to following the sun. Take up your cross. Deny yourself, rather, comes first. Deny yourself. You have to deny yourself. It costs more to add tracking to solar panels. In fact, it's just easier to add more fixed ones. 
It's just easier to add more stuff that I'll serve in church. It's just easier to go, I'll just help that person down there. It actually takes cost and sacrifice to say, no, I'm going to sit with the Lord now. I'm going to lean in and hear what he's doing. Because he is speaking. He is a powerful God. He is a God. God is the word and? Yes. He's always speaking. Hearing God leaning in, tilting towards him is not just for prophetic people, can I say? It's not just for prophetic people or prophets or people with special gifts. It's for every one of us. On that cross, part of the power is Jesus tore the veil. Jesus tore the veil and made the way for us. There is so much more power, church, for us to receive and to lean in. There is incomparably great power for those who believe. What are some of the things, again, limitless? He has given us every spiritual blessing. There are actually riches incomprehensible. So, but let's just talk about a few of him. Firstly, the power to be his witnesses. We should all know this scripture. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive, say it with me, power. Say it again. Power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this comes back to what I said before. The power of the cross, the power of the resurrection, the power of the gospel of salvation. This is the power to be his witness. How do we receive that? Position yourself. If you feel like you don't have the power, if you feel like fear of man is getting hold of you or reluctance or something else is getting in the way of you being his witness, then it's simple. You need to receive more of his power, not your strength, his power. He gives us the power of delegated authority. Matthew chapter 10 verse 7 to 8 says, As you go, proclaim this message. This is being his witness. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Now watch this. What happens when we proclaim the gospel message? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received his power. Now freely you can give it. You can't give what you haven't received, church. If you're wondering why you've got nothing to give, ask yourself the question, am I positioned to receive? It's simple, but it's powerful. We receive power for a godly life. 2 Peter verse 1, verse 1, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now you've got to pay attention here. His power has given us everything we need, but how do we receive it? Through our knowledge and intimacy. Once again, through our knowledge and intimacy. Paul talks about it all through his letters in the Ephesians. I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you'd be amazing? No. So that you can know him more. So that you can understand. So that you can receive his power. Power comes through knowledge and intimacy. doesn't come through our smarts. doesn't come through how good our ministry expressions are. doesn't come how good through a mum, dad, daughter, Sister, brother, son, uncle, aunt, whatever I've missed in there. It doesn't come through those things. It comes through knowledge and intimacy. And the wonderful thing is the Lord gives us, the Son of God gives us the power to know him and to know his love. You see, we can actually receive power to know him. Isn't that cool? 
He says that his power to us comes through knowing him, but he says he'll give us power to know him. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 to 21. I pray that out of his glorious riches, which is actually the Father's riches when you look at the scripture in context, that the Father will strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established, remember our cornerstone, foundation, established on Christ the cornerstone in love, you may have power. How do you get your power? On the cornerstone. How do you get your power? Position yourself to receive. Tilt, tilt, that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. This is a church thing, a movement to grasp, get it, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know, to know in your inner being this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And what does this result in when we receive his power, when we truly know him? It results in now to him who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power at work in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that good? Glory to God. God wants to receive glory. God receives glory through his church when we are positioned to have a revelation of his power, to know him more, to receive his power, to walk in his power, but to declare his power, to declare his power, to speak his power, to understand the power of the Son is not just a mental thought. It's not just a mental understanding. There's something that happens in our inner being when we receive his power when we walk in his power and when we declare the power of the Son of God. Would you stand with me, church? Can I invite the team back up, please? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just encourage you to close your eyes and lean into him. There is so much more power available, church, and this is not about us having power. It's actually about us just having a revelation and being positioned. And can I say this? In relation to the power of the natural sun, no matter how many solar panels I was to put up, it never diminishes the power of the sun. It never takes away from my neighbor's power that they can receive. And too often in the church, we have a comparison of power. We have a comparison of those who are walking in a measure of his power. And we're saying, why can't I have that? And there is no comparison. Even when the woman reached out to touch Jesus who had an issue, an issue of blood, and Jesus said, power went out from me and everyone else was crowding around and the disciples were saying, How can you ask that? Everyone is pushing into you. But that woman had an understand of tilt. She had an understanding of position and leaning in. And when Jesus said, power went out from me, it was a recognition, not a lack. It was a recognition that someone had made a withdrawal of power. It was not a recognition that he now had less power. 
There was no less power. No less power. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the church that Paul talks about that says they have a form of godliness but no power. No power. And that's not about our power. That's about God's power. God's power being seen in the church. And I don't know about you, church, but I'm hungry to see a church, the church, walking in the power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, understanding the the delegated power and authority that we have in us. And so we're going to sing now about the power of the name of Jesus. And as we do, I just want to encourage you to lean in. This is an opportunity right now to tilt, not just right now tilt, but to change your position, change your position. Perhaps some of those solar panels have been fixed for too long. Perhaps they've been passive for too long. Today is is an encouragement, it's an invitation from the Lord to say if you need to adjust those solar panels and tilt towards me, I'm inviting you to come. I'm inviting you to come. And even as we do that, we don't need a response for a sacred response, but sometimes there's something prophetic that happens when we reposition ourselves. And so if you feel like you need a repositioning today and you need to come to the front or walk on your knees, not walk on your knees, get on your knees or do something to change your position, then as we worship, I encourage you to do that. So let's lean in. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.